There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy. From the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. The greatest case study on man where we look at the conscious journey uh, that, that those men have travelled. And I'm here with my man, Nick Perry, all the way down from the, the, mm, the deep south. The deep yeah. south. How are you, brother? Good. Very good. Great ocean road. Caravan yeah. life. That's, what, yeah. that's how I am. So you're on a bit of a journey at the moment, are eh? you? Just doing a trip around Australia? 100%, man. Doing a sojourn. No itinerary and no return date. So oh, naturally man. you can see studio setup has called for some resourcefulness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, and what, why did you want to do this journey? Oh, man, I had the call, like I had this the rise, this energy rise in me that was getting um, insufferable almost. It was, it was this guidance or, or message or signal, whatever you want to call it, that was saying radically change your environment, radically change your environment and see, trust what comes of that. So logistically to, you know, let go of having a house and put everything in storage and um, downsize into a, a, this little caravan that folds into this little compact box. It's like a, a cross between a camper trailer and a caravan. Mm. Um, I had to be resourceful. I had to be resilient and I had to be creative, um, you know, to be able to work on the road, keep, you know, uh, funds coming through totally. Um, but also, you know, do that authentically. So, do you know, work in a way that helps me express what I'm about, but also serves the, the you know the greater the greater collective of everyone. Mm. And I had no fucking idea how it was, it was going to look, but it was just a step by step exploration and experimentation. And uh, stepping into the unknown, man. I, I swear to you, like I'm not talking shit. It business has it's the best it's ever been for me, like wow. ever. Hundred percent ever like like the flow the the impact the 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 joy the fun the um 
the inspiration, like all of it, it, it it's such a beautiful like piece of feedback that mm. committing to this, you know, this this journey, you know, unplugging out of the matrix and and choosing to live very much in nature and everything that comes with that mm. was uh, like a good choice. It was a good idea, as it turns out. Mm, man, how long <laughs> you been on the journey now? Since February, so okay. Feb, March, April, May, yeah, three or four months, yeah, something like that. I think yeah. Man, I hear yeah. a lot of stories how people just don't really don't come back. Like they find a spot and they're like, I love this. They meet people. Like a couple of friends have been like that, man. Mm. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's they say it's the best thing they've ever done. For sure, man. It, and, you know, and you know, a lot of us don't really explore the, our own backyard. We go out overseas and and whatnot, and we don't realize how beautiful Oz is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I I grew up surfing around Australia, and after high school was just doing laps, you know, to like yeah. surf spots in interstate. And that was where I really like got context of how vast Australia actually is, mm. but also how, how many ecosystems reside on this, on this, this Island that, you know, that we call home. Like I, I have also done a, a bunch of world travel and an example that I often share is that I find a lot of similarities between Esperance in the deep south of Western Australia and Tahiti. Wow. There's this like similar feeling and similar colors and the, the, the raw beauty uh, rings the same bell yeah. that Tahiti did for me, um, which is just so, That's so interesting. interesting. Eh? Yeah. Cause I it's... found that with uh, California, California and like West Australia. I was like, or, and just Australia. I'm like, fuck, there's some, yeah. like traveling through California. I was like, man, this is very, like the, even the gum trees were are there. And I'm just true. Like, right. Interesting. Yeah. So interesting. So I, I totally know what you mean there, man. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, we better get stuck into woke, man. I think we tend to do this, go down some, um, we're just like tangents. chilling. Eh? We're just yeah, like man. chilling. <laughs> all right so we got the first we got the first round which is the quick five questions a bit about yourself what your what your thoughts are and um, the first one's really hard where did you grow up and where do you live now up sydney northern beaches mm-hmm. uh, right now i live on the road yeah man and you are in uh i'm in this moment i'm in Y river yeah w-i-e river on the great ocean road in victoria cool man sweet yeah. and what are you doing for a living right now working as a holistic lifestyle coach um yeah you know specializing eh? yeah online coaching um spiritual mental emotional physical uh with some sort of niching in the men's work field um but also the you know whoever's ready is my dream client so not exclusively that but yeah whoever's ready is who i work with what do you mean by ready um in a place of ownership of their life, their health, their uh, projections, their wounds, all of that. The, the, they want to take got... back control. Exactly. They want to take back, yeah, power. I think they want to take back power and surrender control. So uh, the, how I sort of meet with that is the, the ego has an agenda to control, um, whereas the higher self surrenders control. Mm-hmm. which then plugs that being into 
divine order, their divine flow, you know, yeah. their dharma. Um, Interesting. So yeah, I like that yeah. Perspective. I like that perspective. Yeah. So what, how does men? So you say you like you do a lot of men's work. How what does what does men's work mean to you? And and how do you see that um, in your work? Um, I I see that foremost as men's work is men supporting men. Yeah. Which is such an underrated environment. It, it was the, one of the most profound game changers. It was me for, for me was getting effective support from men. And yeah. men who chose to love me, yeah. um, chose to be of service and to support me in my needs. So yeah, you know, foremost that that's what men's work is. Um, it's uh, essentially it, it's like the thing that that classifies it as men's work in in my perspective is that there are certain aspects and certain experiences that come with being a man and walking this life as a man. So there is, there's specificity in that field that is like, like designed to support the, where there's continuity of struggles for men, um, where there's misunderstandings, where there's misguidance, uh, an example I want to give, so it's not too lofty, what I'm just trying to say is understanding the masculine archetypes would be an example of what I'm speaking to right now. So, yeah. you know, we've got survival archetypes, which are, you know, like the prostitute, saboteur, the, the victim, the, the wounded child. But then in the context of masculinity, we look at like the magician and the warrior and the lover and the king and and understanding where our axis is where our center point is within those archetypes um, and to understand the energies and expressions of these archetypes helps me as a man and other men uh, choose more consciously um, be of service more effectively know it you know it helps them know when their cup is empty and and when it's time to fill uh, it helps them understand helps them orientate where they're at in their own internal environment and mm -hmm. you know their own mental emotional climate whatever that is in that moment so yeah that there you know if there's anyone's listening and it's like what's the difference between you know holistic lifestyle coaching and men's work it's that there is specificities that come with that yeah totally and and that has been made all the difference for me having been in this field and done personal development for like a decade now. Yeah. Um, there were things that just weren't getting picked up on that the, the field of men's work was able to help me come into connection to help me resolve and help me integrate. Yeah, man, totally. And I mean, this is what this series is really about is helping men integrate into themselves. Hey, and I know I, I resonate with that because that's, that's exactly my journey too, man is like, um, the greatest shifts I've ever had was when I've been surrounded by like men that are actually mm. there to just make you feel more empowered in yourself and accept you for who you are. Yeah. You know, not take the piss out of you. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's yeah. to someone who hasn't yet found themselves in that environment deliberately or, you know, accidentally. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's a leap of faith, hey, because it's yeah. like my relationships with men and my understanding of masculinity has been so distorted, so 
deeply distorted and I had a lot of beliefs around what it meant to be a man and Mm. I had a lot of blockages as far as connecting to men goes. I had all these stigmas and these, these, yeah, these distorted ideas. So it was very radical. It was very radical to be in the environment where, yeah, this men's work field and um, so nourishing yeah, um, that that's exciting. Like it excites me. It's, it's really, it, yeah. it, there's so much gold and so much juice and so much fucking potential yeah. um, for us men to walk this, this path of life connected to a sense of brotherhood. Yeah, man. True brotherhood, mm. eh? Not conditional yeah. brotherhood. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome to hear. All right, so we got the next question. What's one thing you're really good at? Hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, one thing I'm really good at. I think what came to mind straight away was writing. I enjoy writing. Mm. I've always written. Um, I find cool. my communication is probably most effective in, in written in the written, yeah. you know, yeah, in written exchange. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So you're writing anything at the moment? Just copy, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Just like copy and, and... You can illustrate a point really well or you can articulate a point like yeah. from the heart through yeah. words. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. That, nice. that would be where, yeah, I'm sharpening that sword at the moment. Um, Love that. Yeah, that, that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> That's cool, man. All right, well, then on the other side of that, what's your biggest fear right now? Um, how do I say this? Letting go of my, some attachments. Mm, uh, can you, can you that, give us an example? Sure. Um, letting go of the level of responsibility to be clear, letting go of the lack of responsibility I've lived with, Oof. if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's, it scares me that I see so clearly I'm ready and I'm being asked to, to pick up more responsibility in my life. Mm. Now, the, the fear is that things will get worse. You know, that, that's where my story goes. My fear story is that life will be less fun. Mm, um, fuck. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the fear piece for me. That's the distortion. You're not going to have control of your own life and your own destiny that it's going to be taken away from you, your freedom. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm going to be, yeah, exactly. Freedom. You know, my freedom feels in jeopardy because of yeah, I know. Where, where I'm at with fucking responsibility, right? The, <laughs> the definition I still sometimes run into, I think my, um, my switch or my flip of that that I bring myself to is that uh, in this stage of my life, freedom resides in inside commitment. Yeah. So Oof. the more that I own and claim my and responsibilities so that's helping you push through that fear is saying to yourself freedom is in commitment it is yep. not outside of commitment and a lack of responsibility freedom is in there and so you're just pushing yourself and breathing into it and getting yourself into that safe space that's it because I'm, I'm a new man i'm a, like i'm a new person i'm not 17 year old me so i'm still working with the 17 year old wow. paradigm of what freedom how freedom is defined and experienced 
that would be deeply sad and, and deeply unfulfilling if I was actually still living as the 17-year-old me, mm. um, avoiding responsibility like the fucking plague, right? So there, there's more than enough evidence. I'm 32 now. I've definitely changed and grown and, you know, shed that many fucking skins over the last few years that I understand if I had any less responsibility, I'd be bummed. Yes. The fulfillment for me is... In a sense of boredom or like, yeah, boredom is it? And purpose um, purpose. and service and and being part of something greater. And and it's... What does Jordan Peterson say? He says, the meaning of life is to find the biggest burden you can bear and bear it. Wow. Uh, he's radical and extreme, right? But I like the hyperbole in that statement because, you know, it's like that, that's sometimes where I have to bring myself to. Is Basically because like, you know, you're rock solid. You're rock solid and nothing can shake you, not even the yeah, most unbearable thing. For sure, for sure. And it's like re- it's a remembering that of, of my mission, of the mm-hmm. kingdom that I'm, I'm here to build and the legacy that I'm here to, to impart, it's more important that it, it carries higher value than my hedonistic pleasures hedonism for me is escapism at least where i'm at in my life right now i need to capitalize on this sort of warrior phase that i'm in and the energy that comes with that the life force that i have at this stage of my life and capitalize on my level of health and my level of passion and my level of froth and, and to really maximize that while meeting the responsibilities of life, family, um, community, uh, self, health, all of that stuff too, um, and relationships like us, you know, friendships and things like that mm. is to be um, balanced and malleable, but also structured and, and assertive. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, then we'll go into the next one. What's your favorite quote, bro? Such a, like a seesaw of like different questions. Here. Yeah, that's sick. Um, fuck, I got heaps, but <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. Um, Anthony right. Demello, he said, "You can be sure that if everybody's doing it, it's wrong." Ooh. Now explain that. I feel that, man. Yeah, it's it's. He's just calling out status quo. He's calling mm. out the unconscious uh, systems and the unconscious beliefs and the unconscious, yeah, yeah, the unconscious dogma that fucking everyone lives by, where it's so invisible that we're all doing it, and when no one's standing back and going, "Where did this originate? What is this about? What you know? What is the consciousness that we're expressing yeah. from that, that yeah. we're perpetuating?" So. I, I fucking love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you, that, a lot of financial advisors, even, I'm um, not financial advisors, fucking um, like fine, like um, investment leaders, like Robert Kiyosaki, for instance, he comes to mind. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like, whatever, whatever uh, the public are doing, bet against it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, be, and be completely okay with betting against it because that's what these 1% like these thought leaders, they're all betting against the popular opinion mm. because the popular opinion isn't fixing the current problem. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Would you agree? Mate, that, that's, that is absolutely beautiful, especially in the context of 
um, the co-creative energy and the co-creative efforts yes. of, of society um, and, you know, the global family. The other personalised piece that lives inside that quote for me is the reminder that my, my actual purpose is to bring forward my uniqueness. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm here. That's why the soul came down to, into this third dimensional experience. It was to anchor its uniqueness. That is my contribution, mm-hmm. me in my uniqueness. And, and that doesn't mean I am separate. I'm still part of the one heart of everybody, but my, my uniqueness is the, the light that I bring, the light that I anchor and the light that I contribute. So yes, if I'm true, yeah. living in comparison, then I'm living in separation to whoever I'm comparing myself to, yeah. but also in separation to myself. Yeah, well, you know what they say, comparison is a thief of joy. Oh, right on. It gets, it's easy to get into that, though, way. Eh? Like, honestly, like, I still get stuck. The thing mm. is now, like, it's, it's this thing, Instagram. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, other people are doing cool shit, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. And I instantly go into comparison mind. Not so much anymore, but it still gets me. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. You just me remember, too. like you said, you know, this is your fingerprint. It's yeah. It is there's only one of them. Well, yeah. maybe two. But yeah, you know what I mean. You've got no, the only fingerprint to your it. life. Mm-hmm. All right, man. I, this isn't really being quick fire, and I don't think any of them have been quick fire because I just keep elaborating on everyone there. Okay, I'm ha- I'll I'll try it a bit snappier. <laughs> it's more my problem, mate. Uh, you're doing great. Um, number six, so we've got three left, uh, four left. What's, what's a conscious man to you, man? Uh, a man, so consciousness, I, I like to just define that as awareness. You know, the level of consciousness is, is relative to the level of awareness that I live in. So a conscious man is a man who um, sees more. Right, has a has a, a a wider scope of perception and a wider scope of awareness, and that includes awareness. In my belief, includes empathy mm. to not only like be able to observe, but to cross the bridge into the world of another, or you know, into a you know, a, a sect of society or whatever. Mm. Um, and so that would be the first half. The second half is a conscious man takes absolute responsibility for themselves. Holy shit, ain't that the truth? Yeah. Fuck, yeah. I love that, dude. That is awesome. So radical responsibility and, and uh, level of self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, a, a broad scope of awareness, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to everything. Someone who isn't like going, you know, what the fuck's this? What's the problem? Someone who can actually go, oh, it's a hand in front of my face. I, all I need to do is move it out of the way and... You know, yeah. to not be in the problem to be able to sit in the king's chair and witness it be the seer yeah totally brother mm. feel that uh, what's one thing that challenges you right now um <laughs> the, the 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 my partner's 14 year old daughter mm-hmm. challenges me challenges mm. me to the challenge is that i don't I'm not sure what she needs in the way of support right now. So um, that's, that's challenging to, yeah. to try and understand what that is. Um, yeah, there's a part of me that wants to know. 
um, and the experience that I'm having is I'm, I'm misinterpreting the signals or taking it personally probably as well. Um, and yeah, so we're living in a caravan together. it's all it's all amplified it's valid man and and you know i think like i said to you before fuck she's lucky to have you two there guiding her through that who's is like understanding of where she's at as well as where you got you're you're at you're at yourself so valid bro appreciate that man very valid. All right. Shout out, shout out to all the parents, by the way. Far out, man. So what much a gig. respect, eh? So much oh, respect, man. Wild. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I've got a little puppy, fostering a little puppy at the moment, and that's just given me just ample respect for every parent out there. I'm like, if the dog pisses me off, which it has on occasions, it's like, okay, you can go outside now. <laughs> You know, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't do that with a baby, man. Oh, you so, can't. Yeah, Not anymore. It's, it's illegal. It's a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. What's the next question? Two questions ago. What's the un? What does unconditional love mean to you? Oh man, it means no condition. It means yeah. UCL. Like, I've actually studied. Um, Paul Check's four stages of love model, really interesting. So the sex and violence, which is the most sort of primitive exchange of love. Um, then you've got conditional loving, which is sort of like the level up. Just to preface, there's a time and a place for all of these expressions. So anyway, the, the level up is conditional loving. The level above that is the highest expression of love that can be achieved in the third dimension because form is a condition of energy. Mm-hmm. So there's empathy and compassion. Um, and then unconditional love is the, what we are. It's the source that we are. It, it, unconditional love is the energy. It's the Tao. Mm. It, it, it's, you know, the Tai Chi, Wu Chi relationship. Of, of, mm. It's the absolute. So all things come from unconditional love there is no condition there's no discrimination mm, um pure acceptance uh, absolutely yeah yeah uh-huh. it, um yeah yeah so so in that sort of greater Taoist take on it it's let me put it this way god says yes to everything you want to kill yourself go for it you know you you want to change the world go for it you want to eat shit food? Go for it. You want to eat good food? Go for it, right? Unconditional love means God says yes to everything. Universe source says yes to everything. There's no mm. condition. Free will is the experience of unconditional love. Shit, man. That's a good perspective. That's mm. a, yeah, I like that. Well, we got the last question here, and I think we already just answered it, but do you believe in a greater power, and what is that to you? Yeah, I do. Um, I believe there is a lot going on outside the light spectrum that we, that we see and perceive through, yeah. you know, through our human brain. Yeah. Um, there are higher beings, higher frequencies that are totally accessible if you make the choice to attune. If you change the radio station from the channel that it's on, 
um, you know, living and engaging in a high beta brainwave, you know, most of the time, drop down into a lower brainwave frequency, create a, a clearer coherence inside your, your own being and your own frequency. And it's possible to connect to beings of a higher frequency and higher dimension. Mm. Uh, and essentially that, that higher power beyond, beyond, you know, the concept and beyond the personification and beyond the idea of hierarchy of dimensions and stuff, it's that unconditional love is the higher power. Mm. That, that energy. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome, man. I love your uh, insights on, on all you, the way you think of things when you're through your experiences and your philosophy. It's awesome. Thanks, bro. Uh, all right, brother. Now, let's get real. We've got the main questions now. We're going to talk about your journey, your conscious journey. Right. Let me, let me there we go. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's. Yes. let's... Prado Studio. Yeah, Prado. Love it. All right, we're getting real. All right, first question is, uh, what, is, what did your life look like as unwoke and what does it look like now? Uh, unwoke. Um, it, looked, it looked arbitrary. Uh, like in, it, it looked random. Like there were... There were the things that I, you know, chose and were overtly going to happen and come into my life, like studying at TAFE or fucking riding waves overseas. Or, but the in-between experience felt arbitrary. It felt like it, there was all these coincidences happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the position I often took was, was identifying as a victim to the randomness or the arbitrary events that, that, that were coming into my life. So there was a lot of victimhood in my unwoke stage of, of development. Now in this, you know, like woke, aware, conscious, self-responsible, there's still plenty of challenge and plenty of madness and plenty of chaos but it is all opportunity. So where I once felt hard done by, and now anything that, that shows up or plays up or fucks up, it's like, cool, there's a door. I'm going to walk through it. I'm not going to run away from the door. I'm not going to blame mm-hmm. life or, or someone there. else. Oh, yeah, blame the door for being there. That door is a door that leads into me. And I created the door. I created the slap in the face. I created the kick up the ass. Shit. And the gift that came from that is the gift of awareness. If I choose to recognize, mm. I, I drew it in. That there's, the mirror pin- principle is playing out right now. Um, do I inquire deeper? Yes, if it is true that freedom is a priority of mine, which mm. it is. Mm-hmm. So the more I, as a woke man, yeah uh that that victim story doesn't doesn't fit anymore it doesn't play it's like you know i'll i'll put my hand up i'll take ownership even though i don't understand it if it's in my field then i had something to do with it holy shit that is a huge shift man 
basically blaming, projecting, saying, what the fuck, why is this happening to me, to going, shit, how did I bring this forward? Why is this happening for me? Yeah, right on. Hey, dude, that's, that's huge. It. And, I, I mean, that's I couldn't agree any more with you. Know, every guy that's been on here is all, like, the theme has been radical self-responsibility, ownership of your, your path, and, but that is, like, such, like, that summed it up perfectly, man. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, eh? And you talked about the mirror principle. What is that? Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, what's well, been mirrored to you? So, <laughs> if there's a if something lives in you, and you witness it outside of you, it's going to like strum that string. You know, mm-hmm. if you had, you know, you're, if you're a mandolin or a harp or something, you had all these strings, right? And you know, that's this wound, and that's this. Um, judgment I hold against myself and this is that trauma that happened when Mm. you know my parent did this so each of those strings has has a charge has an energetic charge and it's Mm. got a story attached to it now that same energy lives outside of me too you know it's gonna it's gonna show up or there'll be something that resembles it it's different but i i make the 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 correlation i match this feeling inside me to that thing outside of me Mm. now the mirror principle is basically asking to inquire but to, to follow on from that last question it's asking to inquire so if you piss me off or you fuck me off or or um like you're you just seem like a a sad fucking whatever you know i'm speaking to a hypothetical person here yeah it's like why does that affect me what the like why does that affect me what's alive in me that this yes external means is is mirroring that because if it didn't already live in me i wouldn't it just wouldn't you know strum the string yeah Totally. Like, why does it piss you off is because something has created a reaction in you prior to trigger a memory, basically, right? So so that can look like um, it's triggering a wound Mm. or it can can play, like, draw out the jealousy piece of, ah, they've got a quality I wish I had. Yes. Yeah. So the mirror can show That's that's almost like judgment, isn't it? So when you portray judgment, project judgment... It's like onto someone or praise onto someone. You're looking at a quality that they have that's within you or that you wish to have in you. That's it, that you're not occupying yourself. Yeah. So typically it's like, you know, that person's a wanker. Why? Because they're narcissistic. They're all into themselves. Um, but that the mirror is actually showing that they occupy a level of self-worth and self-love that, that you long for, that you envy. Mm. It's like, oh, they accept themselves. You know, I wish I could show up authentically. I wish I could put myself out into the world the same way as them, but I can't. So I'm pedestaling them so I can cut them the fuck down. Yeah, dude, totally. That's the shadow. That's that's what the mirror is trying to show me is that that shadow is there and it's influencing the choices that I make and it's sabotaging the the quality of relationships I could Mm. be having. Yeah, man, I feel that. And and, and it shows self-judgment. It's like... If I accepted myself, then I'd be stoked for that. I'd person. be unshakable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's what we're working towards, right? Like, I know that's for me. I put my hand up straight up and, like, be unshakable, really. And yeah. to go. Yeah. I like know, that. That's cool. Yeah, it's just to be, like, roots deep into the ground, become that oak tree and go, oh, mm-hmm. I can, I'm staying in my lane and you are doing a fucking great job in your lane, man. I love you in your lane. Liberating would that be to fully mm. like nail that one? That would be yeah. so liberating. And let's just add a note on that. Like we're not. Well, I'm speaking myself. I'm not there yet, but it's the awareness to go. That's I know I'm not there, and I'm you know just becoming the best version of myself every day. So this is not a destination that you hit because I think when you hit that, you become um, Satama Gautama, uh, Siddhartha Gautama, <laughs> or Jesus Christ, JC. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. They're the enlightened beings where unconditional love is ever present. We're mm-hmm. still working through our shit just like anyone else. Yes, brother, you speak for me too, definitely. Mm. All right, brother. So next question. In that unwoke period, what was your biggest vice? Anger. Like anger and rage was just, was just such a comfortable place to me. Mm. Um, wow. And then as far as substances go... Probably at that age, yeah, not the piss. <laughs> yeah, and Boozing, was, that to, was, that to, was that to just like numb the pain or to fit in? Yeah, it was. It was to fit in. It was mm. to like, um, yeah, to. I had something to prove. Yeah, yeah. Because I hated myself, mm. and I was confused as fuck. And um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what's your relationship like with alcohol now? Oh, man. Like, totally great. Like, in that I really like beer. In that I... um, Yeah, nice. It's like... It's great. You know, I'll I'll drink beer probably. Like, I'll have... Let's say I bought a six-pack of, like, a beer that I was into the next time I would buy a six pack would probably be six weeks later. Yes. It, it, it's just, it doesn't actually contribute to, there, to, to what I want at yes. all. Yes. Yeah. But it's like, Oh, that's a nice thing. It's like, I'm not going to eat a fucking kilo of brie cheese every day or blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I have a bit of brie cheese, but like, um, I'm good. Like I, Mate, I don't want it. Perfect. I don't want it tomorrow either. Like just, just a little bit now. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, it has no power over me. It's definitely not something I reach for now. Um, to numb out or anything, but like you used to. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any beef with beer as an elixir, right? It's this thing. It's this thing. It has this brewing process and it's cool and you can, be creative with that. Yeah. However, I'm just going to slide this in. Beer culture fucking sucks and I hate it. I despise yeah. the drinking culture, especially in this country. That nice. on every, every sporting field, um, you know, primetime television, there is the advertising, advocating, um, glorifying drink and piss. And it's so fucking lame and it's so obsolete to be championing th- these corporations and, and their product um, in, in this day and age with, mm. with, with how, how it impacts 
health and mental health and, and just look at the statistics of, of where that's at. You know, it, it doesn't belong in the programming that people are consuming every single day, in my opinion. Same with gambling. Fuck gambling. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I feel you, man. And I mean, think to come back to the to the basics there is like we um, are just feeding a dependent need in ourselves to feel something greater outside of ourselves. Yeah, it's like yeah. we're clinging, we're clinging to the bottle as if it's going, it's our savior because it either makes us dance good or feel good when we do dance. It makes us be, uh, reduce our, it reduces our anxiety to feel better in a social situation. Like, you know, all our insecurities just fucking go out the door when, mm. we, when we pick up a couple of bottles. Um, and, you know, we all of a sudden intoxicate our physical body over mm. and over and over and over and over and over and over again, damaging DNA, fucking up our liver, all that sort of shit. For what? For an unhealed part of you. Mm. For an inability to go within you to figure out what the fuck is actually creating such a desperation for the bottle. I mean, I say this all the time, man. I'm getting a bit passionate here now. Um, my, my tone's changed. Um, her- heroin addicts, bro. Like, there would be more heroin addicts, I feel, in this world if it wasn't so frowned upon. We, go, we just got to go down the supermarket, Woolworths, Coles, IGA, look at some of those, the things in those aisles and contribute and, and directly link that to the number one killer in the world. Well, I mean, in America and Australia, heart disease. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's so acceptable, so much more than heroin. We would have more heroin addicts if it was just as acceptable as the shit in the aisle fucking 16 at IGA. You know, the processed food shit. Totally, um, man. But it's the same thing as alcohol, right? Like the vice. Um, it's just like it's, it's, it's pulling people because it makes them feel better, feel good, numb something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it is. It, it, it's a vice. It's, it's a vehicle of distraction. Um, a vehicle of is, distraction, yeah. Yeah, it, which, like it, which is it, it's see, – see, here's the thing. It's like beer isn't the problem. It's it's the programming. It's the programming of drinking culture that's the problem. So mm-hmm. you know, just for clarity's sake, um, any beer enthusiast, it's like fuck yeah, good for you. Like uh, I I don't if you're doing it responsibly, if you're covering the two boxes that we that we kind of are, are ruminating on in our chat. It's like conscious. Are you, are you consuming consciously, or is it this unconscious? Um, tool of distraction or is it like a, like a genuine reward system you're like oh cool you know i i have taken care of all my responsibilities yeah um i am in accountability to everybody in my life i feel integrity and aligned to my values um and yeah i'm gonna crack a few beers because they're delicious and i like it and mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's conscious it's deliberate yeah it's healthy but the yeah just where it is when you when you were talking about the the processed foods and the refined foods i was like oh this could be warren warren he's coming out (laughs) warren's gonna go down a rabbit hole because you're right man it's like white refined sugar the the speed at which it assimilates into the body and messes with the blood sugar levels 
um, it, it's in the same category as a drug like heroin that assimilates mm. into the body that quickly. So white refined sugar is considered a class one drug, which is in the same category as heroin because mm. of the speed at which it impacts like biology. Wow. So oh, uh, again, that, that like the food processing, food manufacturing, food production, like even that is like the culture of that is in dire need of an upgrade. Yeah. The, the, like the corporations that are driving it and, you know, manipulating through the marketing and media and influencing and, and however they do it know damn well that this cheap, uh, fucking tampered with products that they, that they call food is creating like heart disease and is creating, um, blood sugar issues and he's creating autoimmune disease and is burning people out adrenally and, and just bringing everyone down. It's they're peddling dead food. They're fucking killing the food. They're growing it in a way that decimates ecosystems and, Mm. and fucks soil. Um, and therefore it, it can't possibly have nutritional value because the soil that produces the food is fucking dead. So where's yeah. it going to get the, you know, the, the profile of vitamins and minerals and everything, enzymes, everything else when it's absent in the soil because of the commercial farming practices uh, uh, about profit and not about health, not about sustainability, not about totally. nutrition in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, and it's, that, it's that mentality. Uh, it's that, you know, like, intense capitalistic drive um that is is very much a part of the problem mm-hmm. and and that's why earlier i said i hate those advertisements because it, it's part of that that bigger bigger pathology in our fucking society and culture this mm-hmm. yeah Consume. It's for sure shifting, man. It's for sure shifting. I mean, look at craft beer now to go because I mean they even they're just like a subcategory of that. If you think about it, like they're not just pumping out cartons after cartons after cartons, like fucking and sending them all over the world or all over Australia, or whatever. You know, we go on small like higher quality products. Fucking, you look at like one of my favorite beers was um Pacific Ale from um, Stone and Wood. Stone and Wood. Yeah. Fuck, dude. So good. Great and just beer. like natural, <laughs> unfiltered, like having that as a as opposed to a VB, like you look at the standard of products, the standard of quality, like mm-hmm. looking into something like that. But anyway. Mm-hmm. No, good. Th- thanks for like bringing that home. That That's mm-hmm. a good point. And, and especially with the smaller brewing like companies rather than these fucking corporate Beasts. entities. Yeah. Yeah. It's like where i'm at now great ocean road there's lo- there's like a local brewery um at bell's beach and nice. it's like fuck yeah i've never seen this anywhere and i probably wouldn't see this anywhere else it's a local community business so i'm in the fucking local community area that's what i'm gonna get like i'm gonna buy local basically sick, yeah man. yeah i love that love that brother intentions everything man so look next question we'll be here for six hours um we talked about anger we talked about anger you well, you mentioned anger and rage with like your biggest emo what were your one of your biggest vices right 
Yeah. Was that the, were they the emotion? Was that the emotion that really challenged you most growing up? And was, um, or was there? Because I've got five emotions here ang- that, that challenge men mostly. That's anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, and anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which of those challenged you most, and did you ever contribute those emotions to something that happened to you in your past? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so the function of how I used anger and rage was to take me away from sadness. It was more sadness that afflicted me, mm. even more so than fear. It was actually a lot of deep sadness, a lot of unresolved grief. There was a lot of death and dying growing up. I was just around it a lot. Just from my earliest memories, you know, we're at a funeral um, and it was just around it a lot. Uh, so I, you know, I have explored this and done some, some beautiful like releasing work over the years to these unresolved emotions and feelings and experiences of grief and sadness. So my armor, the shield that covered the little boy in me was anger and rage. Mm. It was like, no one, like it helped me keep distance from people. It helped me not fucking go there and feel the sadness. Um, Because the thing that I discovered was that the, the actual pain point was my judgment, was my judgment and fear around grief and sadness. Mm. And then it wasn't until literally 30 years old that I actually fully, fully, fully went there into the grief and sadness. It was like, oh, grief and sadness isn't that bad. Actually, the more painful thing was the, the, Sustained like that I didn't anger. trust, I didn't trust those emotions. Uh, yeah. So, so it was like, it was probably fear, actually, as I'm speaking out loud. Fear was a very big part of that. I was, a, I was afraid to feel sad. I was afraid that if I really went into my sadness, what if I couldn't calm out? Or what if somebody saw me, you know, blubbering mess on the floor? You know, I identified as a tower. I identified as the supporter, not the supportee. And and that was my coping mechanism as a kid was if I didn't, if I was supporting people, then I wasn't, I didn't have to go, I didn't have to process the sadness. I didn't have to come to terms with the fact that there's a person in the box up the front of the church and I'm never going to see him again. And, and some of those um, uh, challenging truths that come with death and dying and the permanence and the detachment mm. process that, that comes with that. And so, yeah, anger and rage was like, oh, if I'm pissed off or if I'm angry, then it's like, cool. You know, I can do that passively. I can, you know, just be angry quietly and still support who I need to support. But if I'm, my belief at the time was if I was sad and I really let go, then I'm going to have to be in a place of receptivity. And I didn't like that. Um, Mm. So yeah, anger and rage has been a a shield of armor for me. Mm. Definitely through my 20s. And so um, you found forgiveness for that part of your life and you've let that go? Yeah, it's still, it's still pretty habitual for me. So 
that, you know, again, to come back to the definition of awareness, I see it. I see that how comfortable it is for me to feel the, the fear and sadness of life yep. and to just immediately cover it up with anger, Interesting. And anger and rage. So that's, that's hardwired, right? So, you know, using like the neuroplasticity model and, and mm. the practices that I have and the ownership that I choose to take, I'm getting more and more effective at bringing compassion to that part of myself mm-hmm. rather than trying to judge myself into, you know, surrender or, or a more tender emotional place. It's like, Oh, I see that I'm angry. So I'll simply ask the question, what's mm. under the anger, some fear. I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, that I've done the wrong thing or I'm afraid that I'm going to be dissed for something that I posted online or, you know, what, whatever it is. Right. And then it's like, what's under the fear. And I'm like, Oh, sadness. Mm. I feel bummed. I feel sad that like, it's so it, sometimes it feels so hard to just fucking, you know, fly, you know, soar yeah. like an eagle. Um, so the, the model that I learned through men's work was understanding mad, sad, glad, and fear. As, as four core emotions. And, and on the outer ring of that, the outer shell of that is guilt and shame. So guilt and shame in case the, the, the core emotions are outside, glad and fear. So it's like, oh, if I'm feeling guilty or if I'm feeling shameful, I'll meet with that and then I'll inquire what's under it. And it's like, oh, I'm actually, it's joy. Wow, I feel shame for feeling joy because of you know all this stuff's going on. Or like it, you know, it can go in that direction too. Yeah, uh, you know, I feel bad because you know some of my family members are having a hard time and I'm fucking thriving. Mm. So I feel guilty about the, the, the emotion of joy, and I don't yeah. want to feel joy because I don't feel like it's appropriate or acceptable, right? And wow. so then I meet with that distortion and um, integrate it and be mm. like, oh, it's okay to feel joy right now, and that's that's okay yeah. same as sad it's okay to be sad right now it's yeah. like yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. that's a good level of self-inquiry bro Steve, yeah thanks like bro yeah right on it's a bit of a journey too right i mean it wasn't always the case as we can see but yeah sure man it's just like sharpening the sword sharpening the sword sharpening yeah. the sword showing up showing up and making sure i have people that are strong enough to hold me accountable yeah Amen. Yeah. Feel that. So question five, whose love did you crave most growing up and who did you have to be to get it? You'll reflect on this quite often. Um, dads, I would say dads. Cause yeah, it was the hardest. It was the hardest to get. He was away a lot. He um, worked for an airline and would be away, you know, two weeks at a time yeah. all the time or, you know, sometimes less, sometimes more. Yeah. Um, so, Mum was the dominant parent figure for me growing up. And yeah, figuring my dad out was impossible. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's the answer to that question. Dad. So did you have to like, when you were back, were you like trying to impress him or do anything that would like get his attention? Yeah, yeah. It definitely, like a, a big, I credit my success in sport and stuff to the love that 
I received from dad when I'd do well at, you know, swimming or soccer or bodyboarding or tennis or I ended up getting really good at whatever I did um, because, you know, I love sport and that natural ability. But I think, you know, that, that was the, it, it was in that area of life that we had our strongest bonding. So dad would drive me to the events and um, mum would too, you know, not, not to, to shortchange mum in that, but um, that was, it was easy to connect with mum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was hard to connect with dad. Yeah. And that, that was a sure way that we were going to be on the same page. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It definitely influences your actions, hey, like when you're that, that lack oh. of that nurture attention. Yeah, for sure. for sure, for sure, definitely. And, and yeah, everything that comes with that. <laughs> yeah, totally, bro. Yeah, and it always leads to something. That's what I've found anyway. But mm. so next question, man. Um, talk to us about, take us back to like one of the lowest points of your life. And, and uh, uh, you know, a big part of this is, was suicide a factor, ever a factor in your, on your journey? Ah oh, man. Yeah, I guess it's a factor. Like it's always some like speaking for myself, it's definitely something I've like meditated on, you know, like gone right into as as an option, you know, it's like of all the, you know, in this crisis that I'm in, in this fucking shitstorm that I've created, how do I get out of this how do i how do i solve this this me- how do i clean this mess that i made so i think it would be a, an an honest res- i actually didn't think i was going to go there with this but i'd be lying it's like for sure i've considered it um i i would say definitely though that actioning it I have, I wouldn't, I've never touched the will to action suicide, mm. if that makes sense. So I, I've been in a, a dark place where before, where it's like, you know, can see some cons in that as an option, but the fire has never dimmed hard enough to go anywhere near actioning it it's like that anger and rage has been far too strong mm. to to let me go any further than a consider consideration like like to set anything up or to take myself somewhere or to you know fucking chuck a hose in the exhaust pipe and put in the window you know whatever um and i've had mates kill themselves and and family members and and stuff like that um so yeah, it, there's been a degree, there's been a degree, it's been present there, but I also want to be honest and say that the, 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 the desire to keep fighting has always outweighed the desire to, you know, opt out. Yeah. Yeah, for you, brother. That's um, that's definitely been something in my life too, and I think there's been a few responses like that. It's just like, it could be easier. It could like, yeah. you know, 
you know when you don't have the right tools like it's definitely something that yeah yeah it does cross your mind well that's what i'm seeing at least that's what i'm seeing no i i love that question because i i i like the 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 idea of talking about it from a really neutral place. Mm. So, so from that, I mean, is like Alan Watts talks about it mm-hmm. from a really neutral place because I, I get the sense he's speaking from the, the place of that free will from, from unconditional love. And, and he says, you have every right to opt out. If, if that is your, you know, if that is your desire, you have every right to opt out, which like, like unlocks something when I sit with that comment that he makes, which is like, oh, if, if I'm allowed to opt out, then that, it, that instantaneously has this decompressing effect. It's like, oh, so if I'm prepared to opt out and it's actually possible and okay for me to do that what other radical thing is do i now feel is like uh, mobilized mm-hmm. you know it, it's like I, he gave this this permission that said do what's right for you even if it's that yeah which then evokes for me a a, a deeper inquiry a deeper pondering of like but but it took, it takes the ext- the co- confrontational gift of like if you want like it's like take hands. the gift take the yeah. gift but now that you've got it well is there another gift that yeah. you you would choose instead right mm. would you maybe make a radical shift in your life knowing that you are loved unconditionally yeah you're held unconditionally so yeah, I yeah. don't know. I just felt compelled to to share that because it's just it's just another perspective, right? And and suicide in men in Australia is through the roof, and that yeah. is concerning to me. That that actually is concerning to me because it, it's it's a signal that things things are out of balance in a big way. Um, the support isn't there and what is there isn't isn't hitting the spot mm. you know so so what do we need to do now to fucking yeah, make sure it hits the spot for sure for sure yeah. exactly and, and like actually though um yeah how do it is how that do men's we work, cre- create it's it that fucking yeah. men's work man and it's making it more acceptable which i think it's growing and growing and growing and growing to be like bro i got you you know mm. You don't mm. have to be a fuck. Like men's work isn't about being spiritual and talking and, and fucking meditating. Men's work is just about being who you came here to be. Right on. It, yeah. Whether that and is that, a spiritual guru or a fucking pro surfer, whatever it is, just do it. Hundred percent. There's there's the like like the the meeting point is where wherever you are is the meeting point be where mm. you are and i love that there's no prerequisite for men's work mm. the the zeal of men's work is that every man is welcome yeah. no matter what no matter where you're from no matter how fucking bad you messed up no matter how 
black and dark and sinister and, and hopeless it feels, you are just as welcome as, you know, fucking Johnny up the road who, who's had a cracking day. It's like there's zero discrimination in mm. men's work. Every mm. single man is welcome exactly as they are and where they are. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's so beautiful and exciting and like touching and deep. It's like, mm. we'll, we'll meet, we'll meet here on the human in the human experience together. And if the time comes and you want to start to explore like bigger energies or, or spiritual concepts, cool. If not cool, mm. we're, we're all equal in this yeah. space. You do mm. you bro. Love it, man. Mm. All right, well, we're on the up now. Um, what's this, what was the, tell us about the, uh, like a significant moment of awakening on your journey. Like what was it that just like flicked a switch to go, fuck, there's more to this. Oh, well, that would have been, I've shared this a bunch, but um, it, it's undeniable. The, the switch flicked when uh, my dad got really sick. And I didn't know what to, what to do. The man in the house was down and out in intensive care for months. Sure. Um, uh, multiple brain aneurysms. Oh. And um, Is he still alive? Yeah, 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 he is. Wow. So that was 2009. And that was where I got a slap to the face because I had... It was like my mum was doing her best and I was like, how do I support mum? And I was like, I don't know. I actually don't know. I've never felt so ill-equipped in my life. Um, and so that was the moment. So that was when there, there were other, you know, big events playing out in my life and I was sort of in a transition myself. But the collapse of safety and security that came when dad got sick what was what flicked the switch that's and it was here i am today like i swear to god i haven't stopped searching since that moment wow. um so once he got out of hospital he landed himself straight back in there he crashed his motorbike like fuck very shortly after broke his back and so i was like oh what so the it was fuck? this like it was this um the universe was like no that that thing that you felt like you got to act on it. So, you know, mad love and gratitude to dad for being, you know, the teacher in, in that way and the guru in that way. And that man. was when I disappeared, man, I, I, I moved to the other side of the country and, and chose the hard road yeah. because I, I hadn't chosen it and I, yeah. it showed. So then I went and I was like, give me the fucking, give me the hard stuff. Give me, give me like struggle. Um, yeah. Struggle. I did for many uh, years. And, yeah. and so was it, um, what triggered that most in you? Because like, you know, seeing your dad go through all that, what was it? Was it just like, did your thought go, I could, I could lose everything now and I'm not really living up to my potential or was it because I, oh, you know, you can, his health is in jeopardy. Like I want to, like, I'm not really taking good care of my health. Like what was it in that moment that actually triggered it? It was the, the family around me, my inability to hold my family around me. Like I okay. remember, so every time, yeah, every time they had to drill into his head, which was like every second day um, to relieve the, pressure and stuff they'd they legally have to ring us up and give us the percentage that he's likely to live 
So it was always pretty low. They're like, oh, we've got to do another fucking procedure and we estimate about 20% chance of living. So I was like, fuck, like that, that was just like nonstop. And um, I remember like watching mum just really step up, but re- like realizing, like witnessing myself and identifying I could be doing more. It, it would, it would be of, you know, deep service if I knew what to say or if I could pick up more or I could do more, but it was like, I was just lost for words. I was lost for actions. I was like, Mm. Oh, it was really confronting. It was really like kind of disempowering to be honest with you, where I was like, I'm fucking useless here. Like that's how I felt. Maybe I wasn't, but, but truly like me now would have had a very, um, would have held it down a lot better than me fucking back then. Right. So, so it was that it was, it was seeing that it, when a crisis kicked off and my family were heavily impacted, brother, sister, mom, and, and, and everyone in the extended family, that was when I really woke up and was like, I don't have what it takes. Mm Mm-hmm. I need to go and fucking find that. So, you know, the, the, the way that I describe it is I went searching for, for answers to questions I couldn't articulate. Mm. People are like, what are you mm. looking for? I'm like, don't know. <laughs> um, I am looking and, and <laughs> every so damn day. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was when you, you moved to over east or you moved west. Midwest, right? yeah, yeah. Did you enter like a period of healing or like, and, and if you did, like what was... I mean, I'm sure you have, uh, but what was that modality that you used most through, you know, this moment of awakening? Now you're going through, I've got to fucking, you know, come back to who I am, come back to my power, come back to my manliness, come back to what it means to be me. What helped you get down, like further down that path back to yourself? Um, that's a pretty cool question. It was so subtle and so small and so minute, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was, so I'll say this, right? The first year that I went looking, I someone handed me the power now, mm. and I had n- not been exposed to anything spiritual prior Shit. to that, right? Other than okay. being fucking brought up in a Catholic. We used to go to church, and it was fucked, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, which is you know the opposite, really, of of what it's about. Yeah, um, totally. Anyway. So I read the power now and I was like reading the words and I'm like, man, I feel good reading this. It, mm. I, I, it's so vivid that memory that that was the first time that these ideas, it's the first time I was exposed to these ideas like that. So I think that's like just this little snippet. And I was like, okay, this, you know, that deep sadness I was talking about, it's like, like a little bit was able to sort of integrate and I can mm. articulate this now back then I couldn't, but then that sort of like, you know, strummed the string. And so I'm vibrating a little bit mm. different and I'm like, okay, if that can come into my life and fucking rock my world and perceptions, like what else? So the next thing that came into my life was Anthony DeMello. That's twice now you've mentioned him. I've actually never heard of Anthony DeMello. I know most people haven't. And I credit him as my, my, he is my favorite spiritual teacher for sure. Huh. He, 
is this really interesting guy, man from India, who was like a like a high up there priest, but um, hmm. was a sage, right? So yeah, he didn't okay. he didn't endorse Catholicism or Christianity at all. He was actually kind of anti it to the point that he would get threats from the Vatican and there's conspiracies that the Vatican actually assassinated him because of how he was sort of anti the anti-hero of of that orthodox way of his his teachings on what love is disassembled me absolutely disassembled me abs so so where i was living a like entrenched in codependency he showed that to me and and it broke me down like holy shit so, so i actually when i moved to the west coast i had a, a partner of three years who i was like madly in love with um but not even that kept me there like I, I i fucking left bro like left everyone looking and so i left that relationship and was really um, fucking hell. fucked hit. up by that basically yeah, it fucked me up that was that was the loneliest shit ever um yeah, so the teachings of, of Anthony DeMello. He's got audio called Awareness. He's got in a book, a book called Awareness that's like so, so special and so important to read because his take on things is still very... Um, it's like ahead of his time, was it? So ahead of his time, but such a such an interesting position that he takes and, and such a, a staunch conviction that he holds and spoken so beautifully he's so poetic in how he that the analogy that he speaks in is so delightful to to listen to so that came through right those two things in in um wow that's interesting so that's like like two is basically one of your biggest like healing tools was teachings of spiritual teachers 100 percent. that's what i was yeah. looking for that's what yeah. i that's what i believe i was looking for is something bigger than me right like yeah. a, like a, a spiritual um i needed spiritual leadership yeah because i didn't there was I, I needed leadership um i was still so boy in my boyhood and that's where that came and a couple of years passed and i moved in with my best bud scott rigby and he had when he was 17 done a traineeship with the lady who became my mentor jan carton wow. and she's a master healer um, mm. um uh, like supreme physical therapist supreme energy worker supreme mental emotional coach and uh, like Fuck, the most awesome, in- incredible woman and, and she was one of the first checkies right so she did all her study with with paul check as he was creating his curriculum so Paul, for anyone who hasn't heard of Paul Check, he's the founder of the Czech Institute. So that's who I studied with and studied guy. under. Yeah. So his, yeah, basically I moved back to the East Coast three years later, having connected to my purpose, to, to what lit my fire. And, and so my friend Scott introduced me to that. And by the time I got through that three years and had paid a lot of dues and done a lot of weird shit and worked in a lot of different industries and nearly died a bunch of times on very reckless, like surfing expeditions and stuff. Um, uh, I, I, what 
like I, I haven't stopped studying that. I haven't stopped mm-hmm. applying that. I haven't stopped offshooting into other areas. But the, the the core for me was my first ever traineeship with Jan Carton. Yeah. That was the true initiation, the true awakening of the mental, emotional bodies, its impact on the physical and what spirituality looks like in a in a in real time, in a real yeah, way. Mm. So how to not live as a prisoner to the ego. Whew. That's a fucking lifetime of work by the sounds of it, bro. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a, a good journey, man. And yeah. And look, man, this sort of like I mean you just sort of touched on the next question, your friend group. How did that change? You know, going through this process of you changing, how did your friend group change? Far out. That's such a sick question. So important. That's that's mm. like the hardest piece, hey. Dude, um totally. Yeah. It changed massively. Um well I was in new areas, living in a new city, so so it grew and it grew and it grew, and that's how I believe somewhere we'll figure out we've got mutuals from the, the WA yeah. crew. But I like I don't know if you remember in the podcast that we spoke, solitude is a core value of mine. I rate I put place very high value on solitude. So I'm I'm on this trip. I'm hanging out by myself every day and I couldn't be happier. Mm. But I, I, my, one of my other core values, if you remember, is connection. So there's this like counterbalance going on there. So my friendship group is, I, I have a small circle is what I'm trying to say. I have a small circle of of friends that I am in close connection to. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, sometimes like someone will leave and, and someone new will come in and someone will leave and someone new yeah. come in. But, but the nature of these people is that they're developed enough to be okay with that, to understand the, the ebbs and flows of, of connection that we connect, we grow and learn off each other. And then we, separate and spread and then you learn your piece i learn my piece and then we come back together learn and grow and there's this effect going on so inside my small circle there's a few core cores that 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 are just family essentially but then within that there's you know probably like 50 percent of people that sort of come in are very strong figures in and friendship friends in my life and then they go off and do their adventure or i do my adventure and then they come back in and then they go out so it's kind of like there'd be like three tiers three you know there's like the core group that's unshakable then there's the um the the broader scope of friends which you know people i hold dearly and have had shared strong experiences with and and vibe on the same values Mm -hmm. yeah and then there's like ah fucking you know i love you guys and yeah when i see i see her but um i don't have the energy to invest yeah or or if i'm being truly honest i don't have the desire to invest Mm -hmm. in keeping close close proximity or just because there's a little bit of a like it's not a complete synchronistic relationship totally totally it's like i love and appreciate you gotta honor what you love yeah and, and and recognize that um, whoever I have closest to me 
impacts me yeah. very, very, you know, greatly. Amen, brother. Amen. Does that answer your question? I hope yeah. I didn't fucking... No, you did it perfectly, man. Skip yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it, it's changed and it's evolved. And probably the, the, the takeaway would be that I have developed a, an, a level of okayness yeah. with not being everybody's bestie or not not being everyone's rescuer or yeah, you know where i you used know. to have that okay yeah, yeah. it's interesting because I, I i got told i when i first started this journey i um i was actually speaking with a psychic and she was like told she gave me a really interesting perspective on on lone loneliness and aloneness so they're two very separate things but you wouldn't think so you know like loneliness is the is the fact that you just desperately are looking for a community and you can't find one whereas aloneness is like yourself solitude is like i need to be completely okay with myself mm. in this period and i choose this and i'm and i'm content and you know i think that what we need to do in on this conscious journey is go into the period of aloneness and not consider it as loneliness is like i choose to be here it's serving me and mm. you know as i'm seeing with all these interviews is that yes friend groups change 100% of the time and you are talking about the mirror principle. You know, your inside world changes, your outside world changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't have conversations as you used to if you are intellectually growing, if you're yep. internally, you know, shifting. It's like you talk about things that now you have experience with. So, yeah, you did answer the question then. I like what you said then, and I'd love to hear an example. Like oh. a, an example of how of the, that's how that's played out for you, oh, oh, because yeah, yeah. what 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 you mentioned then is so fucking important, and I don't think I really touched it, you know, clearly enough. Which is the as you develop intellectually, at the very least, you're not going the, the it takes you need more nutrition. Yeah, totally. Well, right? I mean, you're growing. Example, you need more nutrition. Exactly, bro. And the example would be this: I loved, you know, sitting there talking shit, talking about like past memories, talking about you know, hot chicks. You know, chicks yeah. you wanna like friggin' like you like pervert on chicks. Chicks you wanna bang or chicks you used to bang. Like this is the common thing. Whereas mm-hmm. now it's like, dude, I want to talk about the fucking, um, you know, like the you know theories on quantum physics or yeah you know some of the spiritual teachings like yeah. me and my mate like i never grew up religious i was baptized greek orthodox never went to the church but i've had a fascination with why people follow the bible and so my conversations now are like i'm with my mate who grew up catholic and, and has a different understanding of what jesus christ is now and mm. he he's like teaching me shit about the bible and about what jc really standard stood for Mm-hmm. And so these conversations weren't, you know, weren't even a, a factor, a factor. Mm-hmm. Like I would think, fuck religion, fuck JC, you guys are tapped. Now yeah. I'm like, actually, hang on, there's something to this. Let's, you know, dive into it and being okay with talking about something that makes people uncomfortable. That's sick. That's yeah. so cool. Going from talking about chicks that you want to bang, like said, to deep exploration of theology mm-hmm. doesn't make you smug mm-hmm. doesn't make you a jerk it's just it's just part of that evolutionary 
experience, right? It's exactly that, that, yeah, what satiates you. And And, and it's not to say, like, I think you can agree with this. We don't, if, if we are passing judgment on those who still stay in that old paradigm, that's their journey. That's okay. I've, I've come to accept that. Whereas before I used to really, really heavily judge them. And I think the, Mm. the goal is to go, man, they were, that's where I was. Like, that's okay. Like there is a path outside of that. And so how can I show them that by being completely okay with where I'm at and not like carrying away from the things that I talk about? Mm. Only yeah. space. Sick, man. Oh, we've got, cool. got two more questions and I'm, I'm back to back with interviews today. Oh, true. So we got, um, this being awesome, by the way. The next one is, yeah. um, what part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for, man? The start, the, 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 the kick the up the went ass, to seek. The, the kick up the ass bit. Yeah. Mm. The, 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 the crisis, chaos, collapse. Shit, man. That, that's, that, that's that been a common up. answer. It's like, everyone's like the suffering. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. True. Mm. Totally. Yeah. It's, um, why is that? Because it, it connects me to, to both worlds. Like it connects me to the world of potential, my mm. potential. And it, but it also connected me to the, um, to the tribulations of the human experience. And, yeah. and so it, it, you know, it illuminates the truth that all of it is divine. Mm-hmm. It's not that that hard time wasn't divine and it woke me up to my divinity. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, the true recognition for me is that that was as sacred and divine as you know where i'm at now all, all of it there, there, there isn't there isn't one my i am divine mm. right everyone is divine and even in that suffering d- divinity is is playing out you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 bigger picture is is unfolding so yeah yeah it's like a bridge it's it's this bridge of awareness between where i am and where i where i could be yeah yeah Mm, yeah which is plus the relatability piece it's like if if i was cruising you know it's like oh to be honest with you i i was just pretty switched on my whole life it's like this I'm going to be a pretty shit coach. There's not going to be much relatability, you know, or, or ability to truly empathize. Totally dude. Like you wouldn't be able to have any resonation. You wouldn't hold any resonation towards people like for people to come to you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're finishing up the last question to give one tip to the, to your old self who's just starting this journey, man. What would that be? Oh, what a cracking question. You got me got me on the podcast. That's a good finishing question too. Um, what would I say to myself? I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like, son, you're in your head too much. Get out of your head and start to create a relationship with your heart. That's what I would say. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's that's beautiful, man. That's really mm. cool. I can, I'm I'm talking to myself. I'm saying that to myself every day. Mm. <laughs> Come on, it's just getting better at it. 
Because up here is where, you know, he heaven and hell is in between your ears. Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel you, brother. Well, mm. man, this has been a fucking awesome uh, podcast. You and Tim Morrison have um, are competing for the longest podcast on Woke Man series. It's been great. <laughs> I just had to Let send me, a message uh, halfway through. I sent a message to um, Finn. I got my mate Finn next, and he's like, I said, bro, just going to be a bit, bit over. Um speak to you soon he's a legend though so you standard you know, standard standard well thank you for indulging me man and and for yeah just just gracing me with your presence and attention and making me feel Welcome, special bro. man thank you for your time brother and, and i'm glad to share your story you have a fucking good day down south you too brother and big love to everyone listening thank you everyone for listening and until next time peace yeah. Bring love and just be I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.